This episode of Spawned is brought to you by the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, the top training program for health coaches. Just visit integrativenutrition.com and learn all about how health coaches are transforming the world and how you can find an amazing new career that helps others be their best selves. You can even sample a free nutrition class, plus get 25% off the fee of the full course when you email influencers at integrativenutrition.com for more info by May 31st. Hello and welcome to Spawned, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner, and we're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawned, we are so excited to talk with the one and only Lori Barkner. Yay! <laughs> My favorite. She's the queen of children's music. All our kids grew up with her. I'm sure all of your kids grew up with her, too, and are still growing up with her. She's the author of the brand new picture book, We Are the Dinosaurs, based on her famous song. And in September, she's actually launching her 12th album, which happens to be an album of EDM remixes of some of her best love songs. And by the way, EDM, electronic dance music, for yeah. those listeners who aren't down with the lingo. Which is why today, we're not going to be talking about preschoolers and music, but about tweens and teens and music and how to connect with your kids through music as they're growing up. So welcome, Lori. Thank you, guys. Great to be here. I can't believe we're talking to you. <laughs> we were just saying we wanted to have you on from like the first day of Spawn when we were like, who do we want to have for our guests? Lori Berkner. So we're so glad you're here. Oh, thank you. Me too. So um, you got a lot going on right now. We can't even believe you just had the 20th anniversary of your first album. What do you think of that? How is that even possible? 20 years? Does it feel like that to you? No, if you could see me, I'm sort of hanging my head right now. <laughs> no, it definitely, it feels a little bit crazy that it's been that long. And also just the fact that I've been singing some of the same songs that long is sort of somewhat shocking to me because I still forget the words. But um, I, I, yeah, it's been a long time. You and Mick Jagger. Right, right. It happens me to and the Mick, best. Man. So here's what I'm curious about. So your oldest daughter is 12 now? Yes, I I only have one and she's 12. Okay, yeah. so your daughter's 12. So Kristen's daughter is 12 and mine is almost 12. Um, so we're all in the same place. So your motherhood actually came after you recording children's music. So just briefly, how did you get into that, not having experienced motherhood yourself yet? I was a music teacher for preschoolers and I basically didn't have any idea how to talk to them. And I really was pretty bad at my job, but I loved music and I really enjoyed being around kids. And I thought that I could kind of put them together. And after getting some advice, which was stop talking and just put it all into the music. Um, mm. I thought, well, if I just start asking them what they want to sing about, and then I make up songs about those things, but it also tells them to do stuff that I want them to do, like, you know, get quiet sometimes, that would be really <laughs> helpful. And maybe I could make that work. So that's what I started doing. And it, it did work. I'm curious how it changed after you had kids, because I was a music therapist before I had kids. And I taught preschool music as well. Kindred spirit. A little, yeah, I was going to say we're a little <laughs> bit like soul sisters. But after I had kids, I found it to be more exhausting. <laughs> I was like less <laughs> enchanted with other people's children, I guess. I don't know. Is that awful? No. So I'm wondering how it changed for you. Was it better? Was it more challenging? I'm so curious about that. Well, honestly, I did not think I wanted wanted children being a preschool music teacher. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I was the same way. I actually, I actually was the same 
way. It's so funny. I was the same way too. And I wasn't even a teacher. (laughs) I just didn't think I wanted kids. So go figure. Here we are, three moms deeply entrenched in the parenting space. Right. And I really do enjoy being around kids, but I found it very exhausting to be around so many for so long every day. I mean, at one point I was teaching I think over 200 kids a week, it was like 25 classes. Yeah, I was terrified of becoming a parent because one of the things that happened while I was a music teacher is I realized, oh, I actually have a connection to my own inner child. And Mm -hmm. I was developing that and growing that the more I listened to the kids and the more I made up songs for them and for us to sing together. And I really loved it. And a lot of times when I talked to parents of the kids, they would ask me for different kinds kinds of songs, songs from a parent's perspective. Oh. And uh. yeah, like lullabies and cleaning up songs and toilet training and getting in the tub and, you know, stuff like that. And so I, not just putting on your boots, but like real, right. <laughs> like down and dirty parenting stuff, stuff. that the parents wanted the kids to do that the kids didn't necessarily want to do themselves. That was what I was noticing. So, <laughs> oh, that's interesting. Right? And not being a parent, I was actually much more identified with the kids. So I liked that. And I felt like this is why I get responses from from the parents saying like, oh, well, my kids actually feel like it's their music. It's like they have ownership over it. And Mm -hmm. um, they sing the words. When I write the songs, I think about what would it feel like if I were a four-year-old singing this song? Because that's who I want to be singing it. You know, if the parents sing it with them, great. But I really want the kids to feel like it's theirs. So I thought if I become a parent, I'm going to start being like all those other parents and I'm going to (laughs) want to... You're going to want to please eat something more than macaroni cheese song. (laughs) And it it sort of happened. I mean, when she was first born, pretty much every song I wrote had the word Lucy in it. So that was an issue. (laughs) And I, I had a whole bunch of those, which never really made it onto any album. And then... I did work really hard to stay in from the child perspective, and I found that I could do it. I just had to really think about it a lot. And then I also thought, it's not so bad to write some things from the parent's perspective because then they have something to sing with or to their child. I just didn't want that to be the main thing I did. Yeah. So it actually, like I put out an album of lullabies. It's now been two and a half, three years. So when Lucy was about 10, that was like when I was ready to say, okay, I've been a kids musician long enough and half that time I was not a parent and half that time I was that I think I could make a lullaby album that would kind of straddle both the child and the adult place and that felt comfortable to me. And for years and years, parents asked for that. And I didn't want to do it because I was afraid basically of like betraying the kids. So that's been interesting, you know, to really come from a parent's perspective and to think about what it feels like to sing with my own child. Yeah, I remember in the music classes I taught, it was always hard to get parents to sing along because the songs were just so silly because they were aimed at kids. And so I love the idea of having those songs that are definitely for kids to sing, but also including the parents. I'm wondering now that your daughter is older. I mean, she's a tween. We both have tweens. And, you know, on Cool Mom Picks, we always wrote about baby stuff. And now as our kids have gotten older, we're like, oh, new teething toy. Don't care. (laughs) So I'm wondering. (laughs) It's hard to get excited about a pacifier when you're like worried about cyberbullying. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, (laughs) has that affected your music? Do you have that same passion for the younger set? Or do you feel like your music has evolved as your daughter has grown up? I really think it's been both. There's definitely been an evolution. You know, like you mentioned, um, that EDM dance remix album, it sort of came partly from 
her from kids who I taught or who listened to my music and kind of grew up on my music getting older and me seeing, oh, there are different interests that maybe I could still connect with. But honestly, I think that inner child of mine is about four. And I love that age when I allow myself to just like sink into feeling that part of myself. I really enjoy it. So I still love writing for that age. And even a little bit younger, there's just something so intimate and pure isn't the right word for me, but I feel like there's this like development at that age that is so bursting and exciting to me that I really like to connect to it. So it's been fun to have both. It can sometimes be hard to remember those exact like milestones around that time when I'm not surrounded by yes. society. Yeah, yeah. Time. Same for us. And here's too. what I'm kind of excited, like hearing that you're going to be taking basically your childhood songs that kids grow up with and putting it to more contemporary, more tween friendly music. Like when my girls were like about eight and they were starting to like Katy Perry and I wasn't quite ready for them to be singing some of those lyrics. <laughs> and like there were a few bands like Ashley Albert's band, the Jimmies, that were really good for girls. But like I wanted something that still had like lyrics that could keep them a little young, but maybe was like more exciting for them from a musical standpoint. So are you feeling that way? Like are you influenced by what your daughter is listening to these days? Like what is she listening to? And is it impacting what you want to put out there? She's completely into musicals. So is mine. Hamilton all day. Yeah. So (laughs) Hamilton was kind of the entry point, you know, and the stuff that she watched when she was little. Mary Poppins and the Sound of Music has never really gone away. But now it's like falsettos and waitress and when something rotten came out. So we been going to musicals and then she comes home and she just devours the song. So is she listening to pop music at all or she just hasn't really hit that? She had a period where she listened to the group Pentatonix. Do you know who they oh, are? Oh, yeah. we love them so much. Yeah. <laughs> I'm obsessed with them. <laughs> For people who don't know, it's five acapella singers and they take popular music and arrange it for voice and make all the instruments with their voice. And they're very kind of cool. But she listens to so much music like through YouTube that I feel like some of the popular music, it hasn't really like stuck with her, really. She had that pentatonic phase. I think it meant a lot to her at the time. And then I don't know, it's actually much more YouTube personalities than it is music itself, where I feel like she's opening up windows into adult language and adult ideas um, that, you know, she's starting to navigate right now. It's so different, I feel like, than when we were younger. I feel like an old grandma to say, when we were younger. (laughs) We didn't watch our music. We had to listen to it. We had to spend our pennies on cassette tapes. And then all the children look at you like, what is a cassette tape and why do you have a pencil? We had to rewind them or somebody would yell at you. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, it is different. I think we're all in the same boat with, you know, the YouTube personality. And and I'm wondering also about music streaming in particular, because I've been having this conversation with my kids because they all use Spotify. My kids listen to podcasts. They have every single kind of music right at their fingertips, which we didn't when we were kids. And, you know, and, and I didn't even get that until after college. And I was a music major in college. So I'm wondering... How do you think that music streaming is affecting music preferences specifically for kids and maybe like their access to it? You know, do you feel like it's a positive or are there any downsides to it? I mean, this is the age we're living in, right? I think it's really interesting. Certainly, I don't really know how it's going to turn out since it's just happening right now. But I was thinking a lot recently about how when I was in high school and middle school, what I listened to was pop radio. Like it was on I Knew That Music. 
um, I could, you know, sing you every Depeche Mode and, you know, song that was on the, like all these 80s pop bands. Um, and I didn't necessarily love that music. Yeah. Although I like look back fondly and I, oh, that was such a great song, you know, but I feel like partly was just like that. I heard it over and over and over again. And every time I turned something on and um, it took a while, I remember thinking, I wish I had like a really cool older sibling who would show me like cool indie stuff because I don't know how to get it. Right. When I went to college, I actually, my first boyfriend was like, you're a really good musician and you have the worst taste in music I have ever seen. Oh my God, that's me. You are me. I I still have the worst taste in music, Laurie. (laughs) Even just learning about like the talking heads was really exciting Uh to me. I think what what I ended up like- Favorite band of all time, by the way. Number one. God, I just love David Byrne. I feel like, oh, he's so amazing. And has done so many interesting and cool things also since then. So I felt like a big world opened up to me once I kind of got away from always only listening to the radio. And that was exciting. I went like deep into folk music. And I remember like when I discovered Joan Armitrading. I I love her. Love. But as a side note, personally, as a musician, it's kind of awful because it pays so little money. Like, I have to have someone listen to one of my songs 200 times to make a dollar. Wow. Yeah. I'm glad to know that. Thank you for talking about that because I think we, all us, we won't say XX aged ladies, <laughs> 29 and a quarter. Over 29. Um, we remember <laughs> how it was. You had to buy tapes, you had to buy CDs in order to get the stuff you had to pay for the downloads and now Maybe you could tape your friend's record album oh that was a big you. deal that was a big <laughs> deal but now that's changed and i think we have grown so accustomed to being able to find music whenever we want it and we don't think about that other side so please talk a little bit about that because from a musician standpoint not so great right? I was, I was going to say it's a balance. It's not a balance. It is a give and take. And unfortunately, as a musician, it's a much more, um, from the musician's point, we're giving a lot more because what happens is even though people feel like, well, I'm paying my $10 a month again, what a musician makes is half a cent for one stream. So when I used to make an album and then sell it to somebody, it was like, I had to write all the music pay musicians, go to the studio, pay for that, make the thing itself. And all of that costs money. And then I would make a few bucks by selling that album. But if I only know that I'm going to make a half a cent when someone listens to it once, whereas someone could take that album home and they could only listen to it once. And I would still at least have made a little bit of profit on what I was trying to put out there in the world so that I could go back and make another one, you know? We're all about supporting indie makers, musicians, artists, shops. We have been from day one on Cool Mom Picks. And so I think it's great to look at it that way. Like if you find a band through Spotify that you like, especially a smaller band, we're not talking like One Direction necessarily, who gets a hundred billion downloads, but like something great that you really like that your kids like, if you do go buy the album, you're supporting that person and supporting their work. And I think that's something noble and that and benevolent and fantastic and we can be proud of that and then you can listen to it over and over and over again until you want (laughs) to pull your ears out (laughs) so speaking of which actually i'm glad you kind of brought up 80s music um, yeah, you were waiting for that. You. you know, I, I'm looking in the script and it says, like, please let Laurie, yes, where can Liz talk about 80s music? Please, <laughs> hopefully Laurie will give me a lead in. 
<laughs> so, okay, so yesterday, last night, I happened to show my kids. There's a video that's going around. We had it on our Facebook page where they ask kids, like, to listen to Nirvana. It's like a whole series. It's really funny. And so I was showing it to my kids where they were showing kids, like, about 6 to 10, listening to all these Nirvana songs and then commenting, you know, off the cuff about what they thought about their parents' music. And then I got into this whole crazy discussion with my 9-year-old about Kurt Cobain and he died and how important he was. And she was like, can you give me an example of somebody like that? today and I was like no <laughs> I realized I couldn't think of I'm like who is a rock band that's like resonant with young people that's and I I realized I was like so stuck in the 80s and 90s like I was really struggling with that I'm like the white stripes no that's too long ago and and I had to like go and look on the billboard charts at rock bands and I was like oh okay Linkin Park oh okay you know but I realized like my music is stunted <laughs> and my kids are not like they're the ones who are going to be pushing me so I kind of want to know from your perspective both as a parent and as a musician like how do we open ourselves up to new music how do I get away from the nostalgia that breeds preference, you know, the stuff I listen to in my youth that I have great memories of so that I can, you know, find new stuff that I can discover with my kids, for my kids. Like, are there any tricks for that? <laughs> oh my God, I wish that is this I hard for you that. too? <laughs> the one I use the most is I ask Lucy to introduce me. To things. <laughs> that's great though. I mean, I think that's a wonderful way to connect. I mean, I try that with my daughter. It's funny. She just texted me from school one day and asked me like what I listened to as a kid. And, um, embarrassingly, I had to say Christian rock. <laughs> God, my first, my first rock concert was Petra. Oh my God. Me oh my too. Gosh. Michael W. Smith, Mine was baby. Susie and the Banshees. Michael W. Smith <laughs> and Amy Grant in the house. And so, <laughs> holy cow. you know, I feel like our kids have such an advantage, you know, that that's one of the benefits of streaming, but I have such a hard time listening to new music and I feel like an old fuddy-duddy when I go, oh, they call this music? This isn't music, you know? <laughs> that's me. I think one of the things is that repetition thing that we we're talking about because you know Lucy and my husband Brian started putting on the Hamilton soundtrack and I was like oh this is interesting but I was sort of listening to it like from the other room they would sit down and they would listen and I would be doing the dishes or making dinner or something be like somewhere somewhere else and it sort of just like started to seep into me and then one time Lucy said look mom just listen to this song and I, I think she even played just one of the King George songs which is very sort of oh. poppy very it accessible, is. right? And I sat and I listened to that song and I looked at her afterwards and I said, oh my God, I wish I had written that song. <laughs> you know, That's yeah. the highest praise you can offer. It's just so good. Yeah, and, it's and then so I thought, good. Okay, I really have to listen harder. And I noticed like, like when she was really into falsettos, same thing. She would just play it over and over and over. And so she knew every word. And I remembered, oh, that's what I used to do. And that's why I loved the music that I loved is because I knew it from my soul. And I feel like if I really want to get into music with her, I can't ask her to turn it off, even though I've heard it 20 times today. You know, like I need to let it seep into me the same way it is to her so that when she breaks out in the middle of one of the songs, I can go, oh, that's from Waitress. Or I can respond to her and sing the next line. And then there's like a shared connection the same way that I actually tell parents of three-year-olds, you know, you have to get up and dance with your kid. You have to sing those songs with them in the car. You have to let them know that you care about the same music that they do because that is what connects you. And that's that love. Like they feel that music is love. I love that. Yeah. I love that you're talking about shared connections because I hadn't thought about it that way. But I think that's in part like why 
I do love some of the poppy stuff my kids have brought home that I would never think I would like. And it's because I have great memories of working with them when they were singing in their glee club and had to practice it or us dancing around when my little one was singing, you don't know you're beautiful. (laughs) And so you're right. It's like new memories. Well, and music is such a part of our identity. And I think especially for tweens and teens, that is who they are. Music is them. And so when we reject that, I feel like we are rejecting them. Like that's how it seems when we're like, ugh, turn that music off or it's too loud. And so like you said, Laurie, if we can like let it seep in and allow that repetition to happen, repetition does breed preference and so does nostalgia. You're hitting two big things here with your new album. (laughs) (laughs) So you know what you're doing. You are bringing your old stuff back and everyone is going to be like, I know that. I like Can this. you tell us any of the songs? Yeah, talk about that. I want to hear all about it. Well, so the first song that I tried was We Are the Dinosaurs. We are the dinosaurs. That song is actually out, and it's the bonus track on my last album, which was called Superhero. And I made that first because I thought this could be a total backfire. Like it might just be so cheesy or people might just like not get it or think who knows what they would think. And or it just I might be awful at it. So I did it as sort of an experiment and we put the song out there. There's a YouTube video of it. You can download it. <laughs> there are lots of ways. to. And the to book, it. by the way, is super cute. It's oh, really like a great gift for like a kindergartner or something. I think it's fantastic. I feel really happy about the book. And I love that you can sing the song afterwards. You can listen to the EDM version of it if you have older kids. It was really a suggestion of someone in my office. A couple of them are really into dance music. They're younger than I am. And I thought, okay, this could be fun because I also started hearing that toddlers and preschoolers were having EDM dance parties at home with their parents because that was a way that they could connect. Then when I also started noticing that these tweens and teens were on my YouTube channel telling me, you were my whole childhood. I can't believe I found you on here. I still love your songs. Oh, that's Um, awesome. Yeah. I started imagining like, wouldn't it be cool if like, you could play Victor Vito or We Are the Dinosaurs like at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> ah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> ah, that's perfect. So we did We Are the Dinosaurs and I was just so happy with the response. People really loved it and I loved it. And then it became actually a very fun project to take the song. So um, I've done 12 of them and I'm planning to do a couple more bonus tracks, but the actual album is finished. Um, so You know what it reminds me of? Like in the 90s, um, Schoolhouse Rock, which was like yeah. my childhood soundtrack, that and oh, Free to Be too. You and Me. And mm-hmm. so I remember they had like all these indie bands come out with like new remixes, like Pavement did No More Kings and Blind Melon did an mm-hmm. incredible cover wow. of Three is a Magic Number. I mean, obviously you're covering your own music, but that's what it reminds me of is like an album where it's favorite songs that you have great nostalgia for, but like all brought up to current day kind of music. Well, thank you. I hope that that's what this is. That is basically the idea. I hadn't remembered that, but... um... I won't charge you. Just go use that in all your press materials. It's just like the Schoolhouse Rock cover album from the 90s. Liz from Spawn with Christina Liz. And is there a name for the album yet? Well, the bland name is Lori Berkner, The Dance Remixes. (laughs) I cannot wait for the videos, let me just say. Yeah, for real. we're, We're kind of talking about some fun ideas for that, so... Hopefully they'll live up to expectations. And um, that's coming out in September, yeah? Yes. 
Fantastic. So listen, I love that you're going to stick around for our cool picks of the week. But first, where can our listeners find you and keep an eye out for the new album and check out your book and all the 8 million projects you always have going on? <laughs> Probably the best is my website, lauriburkner.com. But we have a lot happening at the Lori Berkner Band Facebook page. Um, and also, if you don't know my music um, and you want to check it out, the official Lori Berkner Band YouTube page or our Vivo page are really good places to see videos. On the YouTube official page, that's a great place to support me if you want to subscribe, because the more we get there, the more we're able to actually make our own videos over at the YouTube creator space. As we show that people are supporting us and interested, then we get more access there. And that's where we've been shooting. So it's been really fun and wonderful. That's great. Plus, you know, I find you very responsive on Twitter. So people that are looking to ask Lori questions or find out more about her new album or ask questions about teens and music and connecting with kids and getting them to like your bad 80s music you can find her at Lori <laughs> Berkner and you can find us at Cool Mom Picks you can also shoot us an email spawned at coolmompicks.com find us anywhere on social media use the hashtag spawned show and we'll be back right after this so Liz I am so curious about our newest sponsor the Institute for Integrative Nutrition it sounds so fascinating it's really cool I've spent a lot of time on their website over the last week and it's fascinating I didn't even know it existed and it turns out it's the top training program for people who want to be health coaches so it's mostly women but anybody can do it yeah if you have an interest in like health wellness, spiritual well-being, your best self, nutrition, fitness. Like there's so many ways to transform that into a career as a health coach. So this is for people who are really looking to make a career change. And it sounds like you can do everything online, which is so convenient, especially for busy parents. Exactly. You know what that's like. So they have the courses <laughs> online. They have all the course materials you need. And if you look at their site, integrativenutrition.com, you cannot believe the guest teachers that they have that they offer to you if you're part of the course. They've got Ariana Huffington, Marion Nestle, like the most incredible people in finance and wellness and nutrition. And you, you get access to all of that included in the fee. So it's pretty cool for those of you looking to just find a new career that might be more exciting to you that gives you purpose to wake up in the morning like you know Kristen we always talk about how much we love what we do every day this is true and I would love everybody to love what they do every day and so anyway the Institute for Integrative Nutrition they give you a great opportunity to do just that and here's the cool thing they've got a special offer just for our listeners and cool mom picks readers Yay! so first of all you can take one class for free completely for free that's awesome you just email them for information at influence at integrativenutrition.com. And while you do that, ask them about the discount because they'll give you 25% off the fee, which is like a pretty hefty discount, but that expires May 31st. So find all about pursuing a new career as a health coach at integrativenutrition.com and change the world. All right. Now it's time for Cool Picks of the Week. Cool Picks of the Week. And Laurie, as our special guest, you get to go first. Awesome. Okay. My cool pick of the week is something that I'm utilizing at the moment. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> that sounds like foreboding. Vitamin 
too much information, but it's the thanks period panties. Yes. (laughs) And listen, if some people might not know what thanks period underwear are, and they're not just like nicer period panties, because I know like there's that idea that when you say period underwear, people think of like the worst underwear in your drawer. But these actually, (laughs) you can actually wear these and not have to wear tampons or pads. And we tried them out on Cool Mom Picks. Well, I should say we. I say I tried them out on Cool Mom Picks. because I I'm still a little scared. Yeah, Liz is scared. But so, Laurie, you wear them and yeah. they're amazing, right? I, they're my favorite thing. They're amazing. Yes. And I, I saw this on your blog. I am a diva cup person. Um, it's so amazing to realize like, oh, well, I'm wearing these period panties and it's not going to like end up on my jeans or wherever else that I have to. Yeah, like. I still wear stuff with them. Like I don't do the diva cup. Yeah. But I will say this. I feel so much better. Like I know when I have those underwear on, I don't have to worry about totally. anything. And you know what? Also very good for teenagers, by the way. I so you don't have to worry about yeah. those situations. Yeah. Yes. I don't have anyone who needs them yet, but I am like stocking up just in case. <laughs> Honestly, I only bought one the first first time because I didn't really think about like, oh, I should get one for each day. (laughs) (laughs) And when it came, I was like, oh my God, it's even cute. And they fit perfectly. Why didn't I buy more of these? And then I did. And I realized, oh, that that's actually probably how you should do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's a good pick. And you know what? I just want to say for our listeners, I know there was some controversy about the company and their CEO about a month ago. I looked it up and sure enough, that CEO has step down. The company's back to being its awesome self again. So I think it's a company you can feel really good about support. Yes. And the products are good. All right. Is it my turn? Yeah. Okay. So I'm taking it back to the eighties ladies (laughs) and I am bragging about my new sneakers. Just close your eyes for a minute and just try to imagine the Reebok freestyle high fitness sneakers that you maybe owned or maybe coveted on the cool girls. They had the two Velcros at the top. They had the like little kind of tan colored lip on the white shoe. Do you guys remember that? I remember them because you put them on Instagram this week, didn't you? I did. (laughs) I bought them. They're back. If you can believe it, of course, Urban Outfitters is selling them. And I feel so like I'm vindicated for my 80s self because my parents would never (laughs) let me have these sneakers because they were too expensive. But I'm wearing them, mom. And I probably look ridiculous. <laughs> and are they are they like comfortable? Do they feel good? Are they they are you know, com- well like you like them? I do like them. They are comfortable. I I will say like after wearing them for a full like fourteen hours, they weren't the best. But I mean, they are just made for like Jane Fonda working out. So I don't think they're made for like walking fifty miles in them. But I will say they are comfortable. And I think people are either rolling their eyes at me behind my back or thinking I'm very cool. I'm gonna go with very cool. Uh, I think you're. <laughs> Very cool. Anyway, my pick. All right, Liz, what do you have? Okay, so we started with the period. We went down to shoes. Now we're going to move up the body. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I want to put out a shout out for our own Mother's Day gift guide this year. Yay! Totally self-promotional. Kristen, we do this every year. We do a big Mother's Day gifts guide. And um, this year we did it a little differently. And the very first post we launched with was all really amazing indie Mother's Day gifts that support women makers and small women-run shops exclusively. I just feel like this year, women in particular need a little more love and a little more economic support. And so anyway, we can support great small businesses the better. So even though our 
our entire guide is pretty much almost exclusively filled with indie stuff. We have one that's exclusively dedicated to the most fabulous indie Mother's Day gifts from women makers. And there's just like a couple I want to point out. There is this company called First Edition Tea Company. The maker is a woman named Stephanie Sandercock, and she has this literary tea collection, Kristen. There's like Sherlock Holmes tea and Pride and Prejudice tea. Like that you drink <laughs> or that you wear? Or if you're a no, messy drinker, you, then no, you no, kind of no, wear it. No, no, no. This is for drinking. Oh. This is for drinking. Oh, that's and so they, fun. And they look amazing. The tins are so pretty. Like, that's I would very cool. Them. It's super cool gift for, like, a literary mom. There's, um, oh, you know who we included? Blue Without You Kids. She's awesome. Like one of our longtime favorite yes. Etsy shops. Sue McKeel. She makes, like, little embroidery hoop art that says mom on it. They're so beautiful. They're under $30. They're really, like, gorgeous keepsakes. And just one other favorite thing. This is really quirky, but I love it. So our friend Marisa from Creative Thursday, she is such a great shop in general on Etsy, but she came out with this Creative Joy Oracle card deck. It is my new favorite thing. Oh, I remember you put that on Instagram. Yes. very, very cool. It's really cool. It's kind of like if you're into runes or tarot cards or medicine cards or anything like that. It just gives you kind of clarity and guidance and creative inspiration. So you might draw a card and it just says love or magic or wisdom or travel or adventure and they're so beautiful and you know it's become this new thing with my daughter and I that we're doing them together every night and just like asking it kind of question where we need guidance and drawing them and she's super into it and so it's become this whole bonding experience for us so we included the creative joy oracle card deck from creative thursday in our gift guide too but anyway I hope you'll check it out it's called fabulous indie gifts for women makers and you'll find it right on our website and of course we'll link all of the picks you're hearing here today on cool mom picks so that you can easily find yeah, it. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Yeah, I love everything. That's the problem with Mother's Day gifts when we create our guides, Lori, <laughs> is that we end up buying everything ourselves. We know what we like. <laughs> we put it out there. Yep. All right. Well, thank you so much for everyone for joining us for another episode of Spawn. Thank you to Laurie Berkner Yay, for joining Laurie, us. Thank you. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Huge thanks to our engineer, John Bowen. And of course, we love hearing from you. You know where you can find Laurie. You go to her site, lauriebirkner.com. You can find us on coolmompics.com. And thank you. We've got a couple new reviews on iTunes. And you know what? That always helps folks find our show. Right, Liz? So when you leave a review, preferably a five-star one. <laughs> it's like your Mother's Day <laughs> gift to the world. Exactly. It's a Mother's Day gift. So please do that. And make sure to subscribe. You can do it right now while you're listening. Do it. Because we'll be back every <laughs> single week. One of the comments we keep hearing is, why don't you have more shows? Well, we're busy. So we're hoping <laughs> to do more and more and more shows. But right now, we're every single week. So make sure you never miss an episode because they're so precious and few and far between, Kristen. Yes. Just one a week. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye.